Hello, everybody. Welcome back into Locked on Suns, pretty Locked on Podcast Network. Today's eyes and roast, Evan Satter. I'm joined by co-host Brendan Clean. You can follow me on Twitter at eSatter. You can follow Brendan on Twitter at BrendanClean14. You also follow Locked on Suns. You're probably already at Locked on PHX Suns. Your support over there is very appreciated, as always. We are joined with you guys today on our Monday episode. You're going our usual Monday through Friday now throughout the rest of the season. We're going to hit on what we've heard over the last few days as well. And, Burn, you were there yesterday. Talk series already ran for the open practice. There was no scrimmage, so to say, after from what we've heard so far. Why don't you dive into that first, Burn? What was the, the open practice like, and um, what was the atmosphere like, first off? It was awesome. Uh, it was disappointing the way that things were set up, where the media was on one side. I know last year we got to say hello to a few of our uh, readers and listeners over there, but didn't really get to do that this year um, just because the crowd was on the other side of the court. But for anyone who wasn't there, first of all, uh, you should pat your, your fellow fans on the back for really showing out. It, it There was a lot of people. They probably filled up uh, like a third or half of the lower bowl, so several thousand people, uh, which was fun. Uh, the team, I think, did a better job, to be honest, this year of putting it all together. So we got to see not only, you know, some entertainment stuff with the dancers and all that to get people ready to go, but quite a long time of drills and everything. So no scrimmage, which is always going to be disappointing. It seems like they've pared back how much we get to see pretty much every year, like they used to do a full-on scrimmage that was streamed on the website uh, up north at the end of camp, staying up north, and then now they've come back down to Phoenix for the weekend the past two seasons, but uh, last year we got very little scrimmage time, and this year none, so, you know, it's it sucks, but it's also tomorrow we already got a game, which we'll talk about later on, so uh, I thought it was, it was interesting. Uh, it was a fun way to kind of see guys on the court for the first time. We'll dig into the injury stuff, which I think is the biggest... Uh, obviously news nugget out of what we got to see yesterday and we'll continue to to monitor but uh, you know we got to see DeAndre Ayton put up and make some threes we got to see some pretty cool Jalen LeCue Kelly Oubre dunks we got to see Cam Johnson Uh, the fans got to see his shot how nice and pretty it is for the first time so uh, it was it was a legit open practice and so last year didn't really feel that way this one was a lot a lot more open, uh, a lot got to see a lot more stuff. So, anyone who was there will already know all of this. But I thought it was, I thought it went pretty well. How would you say, just off first glance, uh, as far as getting an extended look at him, even in this kind of setting, Monty Williams is as a head coach, just as far as how he how he composes himself in front of the team. Yeah, I mean, I would say I got a little more on that from training camp, to be honest. But I think my my main. Uh, not yeah. My main observation from Tuesday that we talked about a little bit, I think, on Wednesday, still stands, which is the uh, the way that he kind of empowers and doesn't always feel the need to be incredibly hands on. Is, is still has carried through for me. You know, just like last year, they they did a real practice, so to speak, um, kind of behind closed doors down in the practice court below before they came out but I I think you know we got to see any you know the fans got to see yesterday what I've noticed as well which is just a guy who is not going to be and not but no by no fault at least in my opinion but won't be out there every single moment of every single drill holding people's hands you know we got to see the 
the Mark Bryant-led big man drills, which we've heard so much about from various people on this team and got to see, you know, some some Ricky Rubio, Ty Jerome kind of orchestrating on the other side of the court while that was going on, the big men on, on the other side. So I think it was a pretty good illustration of a lot of what we've gotten to see in our little snippets at the end of training camp here. I was up again on Friday, really didn't get to see much. Practice was pretty closed by the time we got up there, but uh, a little note was was Ty Jerome kind of really again as we've heard but seeing it is a whole other thing kind of leading guys through things like Mikhail Bridges uh, I noticed Cam Johnson I noticed he's kind of hey get your foot behind the line fully for this three or you know let's speed up this drill like you know dish it and run that kind of stuff which like come on it's not like he's gonna be the number one leader on this team but you know we hear so much about how rookies are not involved in that capacity so to kind of see it in front of my own eyes yesterday that he is totally comfortable doing that kind of stuff was impressive I have to say yeah as we get closer to the season Brandon I really feel like we're going to see more and more and more hype around Ty Jerome and Cam Johnson as far as rotation minutes go I think both those guys at this point in time I might lean towards both of them getting actual minutes here on opening night maybe it's 10 to 15 minutes maybe maybe it's not much at all but I think we're going to see at least both of them hit the court at some points during this the season opener here because we're going to get a good look in preseason as well tomorrow and throughout the next few weeks. But I, I, it really sounds like Ty Jerome and Cam Johnson are adjusting pretty well so far. It does, uh, you know, and it's something I think we can get into a little bit with the, the injuries, the update we finally got on that front in our next segment here. Um, but those guys were involved again, uh, which is, I guess a necessity at this point because of the injuries, but also, you know, I'll, I'll just eat crow on it. I, I think I was even more staunch than you in my belief that these guys were not going to be asked to play much of a role at all early on just because of at least, you know, maybe I bought into the idea that with how much of a focus and an emphasis was put on bringing in experienced players that, throwing the rookies into the fire wasn't going to be the plan A this year. And maybe it wasn't the plan A. Maybe things have changed because they've they've exceeded expectations and other guys haven't been available through camp and kind of the the perfect mix of events happened this way to, to put them in a position to get to play. But whatever it is, uh, we got to see a little more yesterday to show us that A, they are – a lead candidate to be involved in this rotation and B, it really seems like they're comfortable already with that idea. Yeah. I think it's going to be really exciting just to see how both those guys develop. I think they're going to take the long, the long road with them as far as not rushing them too much into some heavy roles here, but we'll hit on the, on what could lead to that as far as especially Cam Johnson goes in the next segment, you're talking about the injury updates on players like Kelly Oubre, Mikhail Bridges and other players as well. But before Half the we, roster at this point. Yeah, pretty much. It's kind of random that we're seeing these buzz injuries here, Brandon, because it just seems like, to be honest, they're not a lot of teams are doing with this right now from what I, from what I can see and what I hear. No, and, and yeah, let's let's get into it in the next one, but it does it does seem like it's more of a, a patient approach rather than a real thing to get scared about. Yeah, that's I, I totally agree with you there. Before we go on to the next segment, diving into the injuries, I want to tell everyone about Indochino. Indochino is one of the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brands. 
Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at checkout. All right, Brian, you were there yesterday at the practice, like I mentioned at the top of the show. What did you, any updates as far as the injuries go? Yeah, so just to fire through what the Suns sent out for folks who didn't uh, catch up with that online, um, we obviously were most closely following Mikhail Bridges and Kelly Oubre, and so we'll start there. Mikhail, uh, right patella bone bruise, which is his knee basically. Uh, no timetable for his return, reevaluated 7 to 10 days. That same timetable, 7 to 10 days, was put in place for Oubre and also Jalen LeCue. Oubre is dealing with right wrist tendinitis, so the wrist was something we hadn't necessarily known. Uh, it was just kind of talked about as a hand injury, and now Jalen LeCue left ankle sprain, which, uh, again, he threw down some pretty monster dunks in those drills at the open practice, so I get the impression. I also tweeted uh, his response. I, I get the impression he's feeling pretty okay, and it is more of, of a thing that they want to take slowly, you know, especially with somebody like LeCue, that's understandable considering he's moving from a high school schedule to even the, a G League schedule is going to be pretty taxing on him physically, I think. So playing that slowly makes sense. As for Bridges and Oubre, uh, they were both out there, but not not really uh, going full, full bore, I would, I would say. You know, Oubre was throwing up some reverse stuff, but really didn't dunk much, was kind of just tossing up layups and getting some jumpers, really wasn't going full on. And Mikhail, I would even say less. I would say he was probably, you know, going 60% out there. So again, the fact that they're on the court, I think is a good sign, but still, you know, they're going to probably miss Tuesday for sure. And then past that, we'll just have to see. Maybe they exceed this expectation here from seven to 10 days, but seven to 10 would basically see them missing the entire preseason. Aaron Baines nasal fracture, which we kind of heard about on Friday briefly, didn't know he was getting surgery necessarily, just that he was out because he got bumped on the face. So he was supposed to be reevaluated yesterday. He was not even on the court for the portion we saw. And then uh, David Kramer was out there. He's just been standing on the sidelines in warm-up gear, throughout camp and was the same way at the open practice uh, which yeah left tibia stress reaction that sounds pretty serious not a stress fracture which is probably what most people will will go to uh, it's not a, it's not a fracture just a reaction but uh, I know Tim Hardaway Jr. missed a lot of games last year with that injury so not looking good for Kramer who needed a good camp to even make the roster yeah, that I think, especially with an injury like that for Kramer, it, it, you hate to see that because he was going to be a guy who probably played a lot in preseason. And those players like him, Tariq Owens, at the bottom of the roster right now, Odiase, they're fighting for that maybe the final two-way spot there, and that's going to be, I think, decided here in preseason action. But as far as Ubre and Bridges go, Brennan, it sounds like from what the latest update to what we heard yesterday through the press email that they sent us. It, I think we're going to get a really extended look at Cam Johnson here tomorrow night in the preseason game against the Timberwolves because he might be the only wing out there who really knows the system right, really good right now, even as a rookie, just because Ubre and Bridges are going to be missing games. I think we might see 30-plus minutes of Cam Johnson tomorrow. Yeah, I was thinking about this a lot. To me, I think we'll see some small lineups just because they don't really have another choice. And, you you know, Okobo's a little bigger. He's, what, 6'4", 6'5", pretty long, so maybe – 
he can defend some threes, you know, preseason wise. It's not like they need to lock down on defense by any means. Maybe they do that. They've done that in camp in a pinch. Um, Maybe even Dario Saric at the three. I mean, that's not something we really would want to see in the regular season because he's already a little bit of a liability defensively in space as a four. So defending threes is going to be a problem for him. But again, in the preseason, maybe it's maybe it's possible. Maybe he has a little pep in his step tomorrow, a little revenge, preseason revenge game against Minnesota. Can lock down Andrew Wiggins a little bit. That'd be awesome to see. But yeah, they're going to have to get creative here. Cam will play a lot. He's not. You said he's the only wing that knows the system. I think he's the only wing active on the team. Period. To me, maybe Booker plays some three. You know, maybe some two guard and Booker lineups, just because they are so uh, tight. But who do you think could step up besides Cam? Like, if you look at that guard rotation, who do you think maybe benefits from? getting a little more time than we would have seen otherwise and Kramer being out too. I mean, to me, I think of guys like a Kobo or Javon Carter, maybe. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. As far as Carter goes, I think he's, he's a player we could see get a lot of minutes here in preseason action just to prove himself on this roster. But I think this also helps a guy like Ty Jerome and also Tyler Johnson here, just because I think with, if they had to play some small ball there, you might see Jerome and Johnson play some two a little bit at some points. And I think that, that just helps them get more minutes and, I'm actually curious to see both those guys in the second unit here because I think I, I'm leaning more towards this right now. There's the more buzz we're hearing about Ty Jerome Burn that they might roll out Jerome at point guard and, and Johnson at the two guard here in the second unit to start the season. It seems like that's probably the the plan, to be honest. And that, that like we talked about with, uh, I think it was Wednesday, kind of responding to Kellen's confidence that Jerome would be uh, be, be in the rotation to start the year, that seems like the best way to do it. And that does solve some of those uh, backup two questions that we had when we were looking at this roster in July. So seeing that, I think it's a good thing that the two rookies are not hurt. That's, that's a good thing, in my opinion, that they don't have to worry about, you know, somebody like Kelly Oubre, like, yeah, you don't want him to get hurt, especially when we start to get closer to the regular season, which is 16 days away now. But it does... It, it's probably a little easier for him to adjust on the fly. We saw him come in from Washington and immediately make an impact and, and continue that in a new environment all year. So it's better, I think, to me that the rookies are healthy here. Um, and I think the other thing that I was looking at with these injuries is uh, with the big men, the fact that Baines is out, again, not a guy who necessarily needs the preseason. It might even be better for him to take things slowly uh, again, he'll be reevaluated. We haven't heard a specific update for him, but might be better that he takes things slowly after playing in, in the FIBA tournament and allows this uh, big man group to get some run in the preseason that actually needs it between not only Diallo and Kaminsky, who are kind of battling for the rotation uh, spot, but those backups, those deep roster guys you talked about in Owens and... Odiase, who are battling for a roster spot or at least trying to show something for another team to pick them up for a two-way or for you know maybe even an NBA deal so that'll be fun to see too because you know I like those guys they both played for Texas Tech we watched a lot of them scouting Culver so it could be fun to see them step up when they weren't expecting to either yeah there's if there's one thing that we've known so far about James Jones and the scouting department is they love experienced players on winning teams North Carolina with Cam Johnson Virginia with Ty Drone just won the national title. And then 
Texas Tech here, where they've got multiple players battling for a roster spot here in Odiasa and Owens, who are on that national runner up there. Yeah, and and so then maybe we get to really get a good look with all these injuries at how much of an impact that can make on a player's readiness to contribute in the NBA game. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, it'll be a lot of young players in the rotation for the preseason. Uh, the only thing I think we should mention here too, well, actually let's save it because we're going to kind of preview specifically what we're watching for in the preseason in this next segment. So I was going to I was gonna get a little little too specific there, but do you have anything else when it comes to just these injuries that is uh, on your mind? No, I think outside just if we if it's I'll be a little worried here if they don't play here in the next couple like seven to ten days if they're not on the practice court getting a lot more work in then I'll be a little worried. But for now, I think it's something to really worry about that much. Just I think they're just taking a precautionary approach here. Yeah, and one thing to close here too. So we were initially. Uh, supposed to to be able to talk to Kelly Oubre after the game yesterday or not the game the open practice and they told us he would be almost an hour to come before he could come out because he was I guess just rehabbing that wrist so I'm not a doctor I'm not going to pretend like I know whether that amount of time after practicing is appropriate or extreme or any of that but just to give people a sense of, uh, so he he did participate yesterday, but then had to go undergo extensive treatment afterwards. So uh, it's a legit thing, I think, especially with Ubre and Bridges. Unfortunately, the two guys who are most important here, uh, it seems to be a legit thing. Mikhail was was moving around pretty gingerly, and Ubre had to undergo that treatment. So we'll see. But uh, let's move on here. Get a little deeper on the Minnesota game tomorrow, which we will be coming to you after with an episode, but a reminder to subscribe to our show. If you're finding us across the internet on any platform, uh, go subscribe. And if the platform doesn't have a way to subscribe, find one that does and uh, subscribe to our show. It's the best way to stay in touch with us Monday through Friday as we provide episodes for you, breaking down the latest news and analysis of the Suns. And if you like what you're hearing, go ahead and rate and review our show. We'll I read the last good one. I prom- We made good on our promise. So if you, uh, if you have a question for us, if you have a comment for us, if you want your opinion to have the light of day on the Locked on Suns podcast, go ahead and, and put it in a review, a five-star review if you, if you like us, and we, will, we would greatly appreciate it, and we'll read it on the air for you. So thanks, to the, thanks for the current support, and we hope you guys are ready for the season just like we are. Yeah, just to let um let you know, Bern, we I, looks like we had a new review actually. This okay, oh like, there we go. Yeah, last twenty four hours. So, so we'll read it to you on the air here for the listeners. If you want to chime in as well from Colorado Suns fan. Good mix of info, updates, and analysis on the team. Especially helpful for out of state fans. Keep keep up to see with the Suns and the latest news. Appreciate your guys' work. So thanks again, Colorado Suns fan. Yeah, thank you. All right, let's take a break, and we'll be back to talk about the Minnesota preseason game. So obviously the thing, because anyone who's been listening for long enough as we talk about DeAndre Ayton, I sometimes slide into a little bit of gushiness about Carl Anthony Towns, who honestly might be my favorite NBA player. I'm not sure. Uh, he's not on a great team, so I don't think I've watched him quite as much as other guys, but I love him. I think he's going to be a good test to start things off here. If anyone, if I'm sure a lot of people remember, but to, to refresh our listeners here, DeAndre Ayton destroyed in the preseason last year. So 
I'm not saying he'll do that again. I think his focus will be maybe on some of the newer elements of his game and some of the different things he's heard from this coaching staff rather than just getting his legs under him like he was last year. But I think Cat is a great test for him to start things off. It's a it's a tough player to deal with uh, defensively and somebody who's not going to just you know cower when Aiton tries to score offensively. Yeah, it really is. I think... Aiton versus Towns is kind of a similar match, but I think it's kind of how Monty wants him to be. I mean, we can hit on it here in a second or so, but I wonder just about how many open threes that Aiton's going to take this year, and maybe he's trying to be like a Towns. Hopefully he's not like doing it too much on the outside there, but I think just a similar profile of the style of play that Aiton is trying to emulate here with Carl Anthony Towns, and we've seen it before. Towns had 25-12 and 12 with Ricky Rubio's first year with him as the point guard there, and I think there's a real possibility – that that happening with DeAndre and then getting that chemistry with Rubio against his old team and Timberwolves, it'll just be fun to see him get minutes there. But I think Towns and Aiden is a really good match just to see kind of the upgrades that Aiden may have made defensively too, because I think Cat's one of those matchups there. If you're in a playoff situation, Aiden's going to be one-on-one against him almost all the time. Yeah. And it's, it's somebody who can kind of defend Aiden in space. So seeing those pick and pops that I think we are going to see right away. And, you know, maybe even DeAndre, he wants to grab and go occasionally. I don't know if that's going to happen, but Towns is somebody who can kind of match him blow for blow there. So a guy that isn't going to let Aiton do the things he wants to try to do this season. So it's a good first matchup. You would hate, you know, just with the way that Aiton is, I think he kind of has highs and lows. So if he beats up on somebody and, makes three or four three-pointers and a couple transition dunks and smacks a couple blocks and he's feeling good about himself and then reality sets in when the regular season starts that would be frustrating for everybody and for Aiden himself of course so I think having a a solid player right away to, to match up against is a good thing where are you looking what's the top thing on your mind as we head into tomorrow's game I think just the more we've talked about him throughout the offseason here, Brian, and just how I think critical a PC is and how underrated a PC might be to this team's success to really take this leap forward this year. Just Ricky Rubio with with how he's going to adjust to the Suns team and playing alongside Devin Booker and DeAndre and Ubre and Bruce won't be playing, but mostly Booker and Aiton there. I want to see how he gets them involved and how he really functions in the Suns system because I think there's a really good chance that if Rubio can kind of be like that that mentor and also that on-court guider for this team. They really haven't had that in a very long time, a player's capable like Rubio. And I think if he can maybe take a step forward, like we saw in the People World Cup where he won MVP, if they get that version of Rubio, then I think it's going to be a really fun season for them. Yeah, that's totally true. And I didn't even – I said a little bit of a revenge game for Sharich. I wasn't even thinking about the fact that, of course, Rubio spent the majority of his career in Minnesota, not that he quite has the same – had the same problems with that team as, as Sharich did, but a, a nice fun kind of way to start his career in Phoenix to play his old team. So uh, Monty Williams last week was asked kind of what other guys besides um, like he was being asked about Aaron Baines and DeAndre Ayton and the relationship they might have. And he was asked who else, you know, what other kind of pairs of guys have you seen latch on to one another in that way or who's kind of becoming close in that way and he said really anyone that plays with Ricky is benefiting and anyone who talks with Rubio is benefiting so uh yeah just as a 
is Ricky Rubio a positive impact on the Suns update? There's your there's your weekly look in there. Um, the other thing I, I'm looking at too, so we haven't really talked about it, and it's definitely worth, especially as the games start up, keeping a, a close eye on is Monty Williams has said he wants a 10-man rotation specifically, and he was pretty clear about that. He's been asked follow-up questions pretty much every day since he let it be known and continues to stick to it. So we had talked a lot about a nine-man rotation. You know, Ty Jerome standing out probably was the main reason that that changes, but uh, he also has been clear that it's not just going to be handed to these guys. It's it's Rubio, Aiton, Booker, probably Bridges and Oubre, and from there it's, it is a little bit more uh, contentious, not contentious, but uh, competitive than we thought. So I'm obviously curious to see who makes the use of these preseason games to enter that conversation a little bit more and become a real candidate to fill that, you know, eight, nine, ten spot in the rotation. Uh, and, and the fact that some of these players who we've penciled in are injured and allow more playing time for some of the other folks is only going to make that battle more interesting. So especially the 10th one. I think that's probably the the real one that's up for grabs here. But he said by the third preseason game, he'd really like to have a clear idea of who those 10 guys are so that preseason game number four can be a real test run for those 10 and for building out how he wants to run the rotation and be ready for opening night. I'm glad you brought that up, Brendan, because I feel like at this point, just assuming the starting lineup is Rubio, Booker, Ubre, Sarge, and Aiden, the second unit being like we talked about earlier in the show, Ty Jerome, Tyler Johnson, and I assume you have Mikhail Bridges there at the three, then Aaron Baines at the five. I feel like that 10th starting spot is going to come down to Cam Johnson versus Frank Kaminsky. So I think that's a, a battle here we should watch for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and they've been, uh, just to give another little rotation nugget from what we the little we've been able to observe. You know, yesterday they didn't scrimmage, but they did run first and second team drills on offense. So we got to see kind of who their second team was without you know, again, Baines, Ubre, and uh, Bridges, who are all pretty obvious rotation pieces right now, were all out. So it's it is a little bottom of the barrel, but at the same time, it, it did stick with what we've seen in camp as well. And in the limited time we've spent watching the team run actual offense, was Diallo and Kaminsky seems to be a combination that they like. So I I think we'll see a lot of that in the preseason because there's more guys playing, but. It is worth watching if maybe they even go deep. Maybe they go deeper than a 10-man rotation. I don't know. But uh, those two guys, they seem to like what they have with Diallo as that hustle kind of role man and rim protector. And then Kaminsky, obviously, a little more of a floor spacer, skilled player on the outside. So I think we'll see that tomorrow. And maybe if they both impress, maybe he digs in and goes to an 11-man rotation. I think that's unlikely, but... Uh, it is curious that they went out and got two players who deserve NBA minutes and might have to kind of fight one another for those minutes. It's fun now, Brennan, that over the last couple of years we've been doing the podcast, we've been talking about maybe undeserving players just kind of thrown into these rotation minutes. But if it's, le- it's going to be a legit 10-man ten ten rotation, then there's going to be three guys here fighting for that final rotation spot, maybe more than that. And that's just a pleasant sight to see, in my opinion. It is. It's it's going to be fun to watch. I'm really, really excited for tomorrow's game. And also just, I mean, we, we try to stick to the Suns as much as possible. We try not to rub dirt in the wounds of things that we wanted to be right about and might be right about. But I am also really excited that we get to see Jarrett Culver's first NBA game tomorrow. 
yeah, Culver, we, we talked about throughout the draft process there. I think it would have been a good fit here. But that's Sarich and Culver. That's two guys to watch for tomorrow, especially because from that trade point of view, you really it was pretty much Culver for Sarich and Cam Johnson. So something to watch for definitely tomorrow night. I really think as well, Brennan, before we close today's show, that Monty Williams, like we talked about at the top of the show today, it'll just be fun to see what kind of tweaks he's made over the last five years. He hasn't been a, an NBA head coach really since the modern NBA revolution started where it's more so threes more than twos, and it's a lot more different value scale nowadays. And I, I'm just going to be curious to see what kind of playbook tweaks that he's made. Yeah, I think, I think that's going to be a lot of what we end up talking about tomorrow coming out of the game. I think we've spent a lot of time saying how we don't know and are interested with what he'll do. So I'm, uh, of course, fascinated to finally get at least a little bit of a taste of how they want to operate on both ends of the floor. We didn't even talk about this before we recorded, though. I feel like you're fine with whatever happens this week after the Colts beat the Chiefs yesterday. I didn't even didn't even text you a congratulations about that one. How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm feeling good. That, that was a very surprising win after a very surprising loss to the Oakland Raiders the week before. So I think they're back on track now, and maybe they're going to shock the world this year. Who knows? <laughs> Super Bowl <laughs> champion, Indianapolis Colts. There we go. Yeah, no, that was a fun game. Yeah, week five Super Bowl champions right here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Three and two, or you're on your way. Hey, by the way, just before we close the show, to talk in the NFL. Cardinals have a quarterback now, Kyler Murray. So congratulations to you guys. A quarterback who can run and throw. Who would have thought that the guy could run? We didn't. We acted like we didn't know that for two weeks, and now it's like, oh yeah, he's pretty fast. He has some legs. He ran for uh, several yards in college, I think. So yeah, no, it was a fun NFL weekend. I'm excited to. Uh, I'm excited to watch the Cardinals, which was not was not true coming out of last week. And now they get to play the Falcons, who are pretty terrible right now. So. Hopefully the Suns can keep me in a good mood until next Sunday. Yeah, I was going to say um, we are in a good mood now from the NFL week, and hopefully the Suns keep that going for us throughout the week as we'll be there live from Talk Series Arena tomorrow, giving you guys the coverage and a live podcast from, from there after the game with our immediate thoughts. So appreciate everyone listening on today's podcast. As always, we'll be back with you guys tomorrow from Talk Series Arena for next episode.